Happy Halloween from the Glad Trad Podcast. I'm the soldier of war's past or some some stuff. This is the 2021 Halloween episode. Halloween extravaganza. We never made a previous one, did we, Rudy? No, we didn't. This is the first one. We got to give the people what they want. Happy Halloween. Happy uh, Eve of All Souls Day, Rudy. All Hallows Eve. That's the that's the legit way to celebrate. That's right. That's right. We we claiming it back. Do you have any? Do you <laughs> do you? Have, let's hop right in. Do you have any Halloween customs? Do you guys do anything? Have you done anything? What do you guys usually do? You know, in the past, we've we've uh, gone out to Halloween parties and you know, including, play dress up and all that stuff, including the one at Jordan's house. Uh, Jordan's parties always were the best ones. Thank you. Let it's, me tell you. It's true. Jordan knew how to throw a bash. He still does. <laughs> it's just he doesn't have, uh, you know, a cool pool house here in Burbank anymore. <laughs> nah, there are things that cannot be. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, we did too a little bit. Um, we did trick-or-treating when we were kids. And then I did a couple of Halloween parties. I mean, the one that Jen and I threw was Epic Proportions. God bless Dollar Tree. If you want to support the Glad Trap podcast, Dollar Tree, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but really, uh, we would do things like um, haunted houses. I kind of like. I, I was actually an actor in one for, for um, in high school that was really, really fun. Because I think that I think horror is kind of a funny thing to think about. Really? Why is that? Because well, uh, I, you know, the thing I don't want to get off like too, too early in the podcast. But, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> I've grown to dislike about Halloween is like the obsession of ooh. of like the macabre and, you know, just like blood and gore and all that stuff. Yes, that's a very fair point. So, right. Before we get off into the weeds. That's actually a very fair point. Okay, so I guess as Catholics, and especially as traditional Catholics, Halloween, we realize how many holidays, right, have been not just secularized, but some would argue paganized or or witchified or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Halloween's an interesting one because there's a lot of traditions that are very cultural to around All Souls Day. And I, I think that there's a cultural element in Halloween that should be respected as well as maybe not go too far. So on one hand, we have a time in the church. There are multiple days of the year that the church has this, but this is a particular day where masses are offered for the souls in purgatory. Um, and that's that's kind of important. And so I would I would mention, but it's funny because but something like Dios de los Muertos that doesn't take place around Halloween, right? So, or does it? I think it does actually. It does? I think it oh, is on. It's on Halloween. How Americanized or Hispanic my family is right there. <laughs> <laughs> well i don't celebrate it i mean right. i'll tell you that much <laughs> right well there's an element of christianity in there too there's something good about sure. understanding that that there are souls who we can are still part of the church and that we still have an obligation to um mm-hmm. now there are other customs these are like the the costumes and candies and dressing up that aren't in and of themselves i don't know where you actually fall on this but from my research and also just my lived experience uh, they're not in and of themselves bad customs. As in, it wasn't like Catholic nations didn't do, or Catholics were forbidden from participating in kind of the more boots on the ground experience of Halloween, besides obviously offering our prayers, particularly for uh, for the dead. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, there are, there are certain things that 
are okay to participate. I, I think it's funny though that every year, I think we have the same conversation every single year around Halloween. At least since we've you know been particip- participating in the in the Latin Mass, people tend to ask the question: uh, Well, are, should we let our kids participate in this? Right. Um, what are the origins of Halloween? And you get all kinds of different answers. Um, so what what do you think? What's your take on on Halloween? So I'm going to first uh, I'm going to say that for people who really want to deep dive into like the history and the roots of Halloween, Tumblr House with with Charles Cloman oh, yeah. and Victor Frankini, they, they have I mean, their episode is fire and they've had previous episodes before. So um, I'm not, you know, poor sinner that I am. I'm not very versed in like the actual historical building blocks of why things are the way they are for different mm-hmm. cultures on Halloween. I can only look at it from how we kind of had it, but I would recommend people to go and check out their episode because that will give you the whole compendium. I think really help uh, traditional Catholics kind of make a better decision. Um, right. As for itself, I, I think this is interesting. Um, as trads, we're always trying to be very careful about how we re-Christianize our holidays. You don't mm-hmm. want to just make it all about, you don't want to A, fall into sin, right? You don't want to fall into a potential for demonic possession or the glorification of witches and the occult and these sorts of things. And then you also don't want to fall into like the commercial, everything's just about bobbing for apples and drinking and all these other kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Halloween's interesting because I do think that there is a good strain that you can have kind of the best of both worlds. Um, I grew up in a family that we went trick-or-treating and it wasn't really emphasized, the, the all souls part wasn't emphasized too much, but we did go to mass that day, so, you know. Hmm take that was good and also there were parameters right so we were not allowed to dress up as devils uh anything really demonic we weren't allowed to dress up as witches uh we weren't allowed to dress up as a marshmallow or a sexy marshmallow so uh, (laughs) (laughs) which was which was my real stumbling block as you can imagine um I want to Rudy do you have any pictures or like early pictures you like Halloween costumes or anything like that you know, it's funny that you mentioned that you weren't allowed to be a devil because actually the first picture I ever have of dressing up as Halloween is me as a devil. Okay. Ooh. And uh, uh. and I have pictures of it, but, you know, it's uh, I actually have the costume, too, that was preserved. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that we're ever going to use that. There's, <laughs> if, this was like, if this was like a passion play, somebody would have to dress up as a demon. Uh, but probably this so you know and that's right. the thing too it's like halloween as far as catholics are concerned this isn't like this is where like a superstition of halloween really needs to be talked about so um you hear people talk about like the witching hour right and mm-hmm. and how halloween oh halloween's a day that the membrane between the the dead and the living it's the thinnest and also the kind of stuff well mm-hmm. no that's not actually true um it's not like god that's takes more of like the pagan the pagan perspective right mm-hmm where they say things like that. That's why we pagans celebrate All Hallows Eve. Not All Hallows Eve, but like Samhain, I think, is the Celtic origin of, mm. of Halloween. And they would say stuff like that, like, oh, well, the the membrane between heaven and the afterworld is so thin, so we have to help them get to wherever. Right, you know? Wherever they're going, right. I mean, this is even one of like the things, like we watched Coco uh, recently, um, mm-hmm. which I liked. Like as a film, I really liked, and I felt like, it could have been it's theology of course you kind of have to you know my mom says right. my mom says don't let facts get in the way of a good story you know but you uh, have to like christianize it yeah you have to christianize it. but like here's yeah. like but it's like oh it's dia de los muertos and 
on this day, like our ancestors, they can come back and they actually like are can be amongst us. And so we put out like they're we have to remember them. And so we have to put out, uh, you know, the food and we have to put out like all the like family traditions and we have to go to the graveyard. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of really Catholic elements to that. Right. Like our ancestors, the dead are they can uh, interact with us. Right. In, in God's supernatural light. We interact with them directly with our prayers, our intercession. The dead, obviously, as saints in heaven, can interact with their intercessory prayers. Um, and eternal memory is actually a very important part of Catholic theology. Um, there, you know, we when we commit souls for I learned this recently, but for Latin Catholics, for Romans, <laughs> we talk about eternal rest. Um, the Byzantines East talks about eternal activity all in God and all this is like in God's compendium of eternal memory right so mm -hmm. and just as Westerners like we know that like for us as as a people memory is one of the most important elements that's why if you remember even back to like the Trojan War right what was Achilles it was like you can die have a short life but you'll be remembered forever or you can live a long life and no one will remember you when you die so this idea of like memory like that comes really from the Greeks and it's kind of it's it's been Christianized because it's the, it's the eternal memory of God. That's all a long way of saying that, um, you know, there are these traditions that are important in Halloween. And I don't think as trads, we should just like shy away from everything. Even Dios de los Muertos, I think I think it'd be kind of, you know, we both are pretty Americanized, I know. So like it's not something that I really feel compelled to pick up in my New Mexican household or whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but in and of itself, it doesn't seem like it has to be totally pagan. And with Halloween, I think a lot of it has been bastardized by Wicca, which is kind of like the the dumb compendium of paganism. Um, you know, it's like it doesn't. I don't think Wicca's roots are near. I mean, they're sinister. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of like the actual, you meet Wicca and you're like, okay, these people clearly are not like they're not like oh my dra my druid ancestors call me like. <laughs> you know, it's like some dumb like teenage girl like fumbling with her holy or her not holy but her, her power stones right her her crystals, her crystals. <laughs> can i tell you can i tell you something i'm, I'm not proud of but sure. i didn't know it at the time i did a gig sure. it was a photography gig and the the gems turned out really really beautiful but it was a woman who both made jewelry and also like made like power infused jewelry you know oh wow yeah um <laughs> the the shots look really like, cool like napoleon dynamite yeah, we're in a right. <laughs> <laughs> you put I, the power crystals in there. <laughs> I, I, I realize. Well, it's funny because it's like it's that it's that really interesting membrane. Father Ripperger talks about this, right? But a lot of exorcists discuss this, and Catholics we know this. Like, there are certain things that we as Catholics just should stay away from. Like, mm -hmm. don't even entertain Ouija boards, magic stones. Um, if people have demonic issues going on in their house, often if and if they have crap in their house, then it's like, what's going to do? Um, but then there's other stuff that you realize isn't real. You'll remember in the story of when Elijah, um, you know, he's fighting all those prophets of Baal, right? Mm -hmm. And they were like, they were building their pyres and everything. And he was like, and it's funny if you read the, the story because Elijah is pretty much mocking them, right? He's like, oh, you guys need to pray harder. Maybe your gods are asleep. Um, right. Maybe there's a line. It's like essentially that, oh, he, that he's probably using the restroom. These sorts of things, like real <laughs> dank stuff, because Elijah knows that Baal is a false idol. He's not real. Mm -hmm. And that's proven because, you know, he sacrifices to our Lord. And what happens is that the Lord, uh, you know, hears his prayer and lights the sacrifice. And also in the process, all the prophets of Baal get killed. Right. So, um, so, you know, I think we have to be really careful on scrupulosity. I want to make a, just a quick distinction there, Jordan. I think 
I think it, it would be more helpful to see that because I'm not. I think that Ball is an actual entity, right? There's I mean, a demon. There's the, a demon yeah. that goes by Ball. I want to say that. I the, just, the, you're right. The yeah. gods of the pagans are demons. So right. I think in that opportunity, God was using, you know, his might to show that these people were worshiping something other than him. Right. right. And right. and the demons, you know, if you look into, you know, stories of exorcism, they are subject to God, you know. So in that moment, they were, you know, they had to stay silent. God was making a point there. Anyway, that's I just wanted that's, to add that. That's perfectly fair. And that's I think I think it's both and I what I'm just saying it's false. I mean, it's like it's for me, it's like the golden calf too, you know. It's like the virtue if we don't worship God. We'll worship ourselves and probably end up worshiping Satan or something demonic in the process, right? Because we'll mm-hmm. end up worshiping sin, right? Um, idolatry. We make a god out of idolatry. We idolize something else. But like the golden calf, in and of itself, doesn't mean that like a new demon materialized who's like I have the demon of the golden calf, right? So, exactly. Like the the obviously negative angelic influences can use yeah your your trust your your hope your um you know whatever you're placing upon this inanimate object to their mm-hmm. advantage for sure yeah right but in and of itself this golden calf is not <laughs> yeah it's not an object of power right right i'm more just i'm more just about the story of elijah i'm more just i just like the idea of elijah really being flippantly dank throughout the entirety of that he, he knows that god is god um now for us in halloween i guess i, I think the, the the original kind of idea is that we have to be very careful with with things that are occultish that attract these other kinds of things. There's a lot of customs, and I think as traditional Catholics, we're trying to navigate this. And this is a manner of scrupulosity to me. There are a lot of things that aren't necessarily in and of themselves occultish or evil. Um, I think this is kind of where like the creature feature, the spooky side of Halloween comes from a little bit, you know, um, because there are stories just as culture that we've told ourselves for years around campfires and in the dark and in literature that the church hasn't burned, that hasn't condemned because they're, they're just that they're stories. They're not, those are not real, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for you, like, what's that line in Halloween? Do you kind of figure? Well, I think it's a matter of prudence, uh, you know, with a lot of the things that we encounter as traditional Catholics, like you said, we want to do the very best and, and make sure that we, you know, protect ourselves, protect our innocence, especially with children. And Halloween, I think is tailored a lot uh, to children so if i'm being prudent and i'm I'm looking at the uh you know the the landscape of halloween these days it seems a lot less innocent than when i was a kid i wonder if that's just like something that happens with age you start looking at things differently or i mean when i was a kid there was still a little bit of macabre but it wasn't gory now halloween has been an expression of like the goriest movies that you can find, the horror movies, you know, like absolute slaughter, murder, and just mm-hmm. like really, I think people want to make it look like a hellscape, you know? So yeah. it's a matter of prudence. Do I do I know that there are innocent aspects to Halloween, the things that I grew up with, that you grew up with, you know, going out and getting candy, hanging out with friends, drinking mm-hmm. soda. Uh, maybe eating too many sweets like yeah those things are awesome they're yeah. they're wholesome to an extent right um it, to an extent that you know you're not overindulging or whatever mm. um so those things are good but then also i look at at 
it's just the landscape. And, and I see, I don't know if I would want Maria to experience that sort of thing. So Maybe you, it's just a California thing, you know, like if, no, but you know, somewhere somewhere else. I think that you're, I think that you're right about as the older you get, your perspective changes because you now have more perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Movies like Halloween and Jeepers Creepers and all the kind of slasher films and stuff, they existed when we were kids. You know? That's true. Yeah. I remember being terrified of Chucky. Mm -hmm. Did you ever yeah, watch me too. Chucky? Me too. Oh my gosh. Movie. I, I really was. In fact, our neighbor over here has a Chucky doll that he puts out at night. It's um, like silhouette back ass. I'm walking Sophie and I'm looking up and I'm just like, huh. <laughs> huh. I'm feeling, huh, my my blood pressure is going up. I don't know why. Right. What's going on? But this but this brings kind of an interesting. I think this is the side in Halloween, the, the, the side that where prudence and scrupulosity and really just engaging in the cultural phenomenon around Halloween, not just the the strictly religious side of it. I think that when we when we take obviously we both would agree with this because if we take our focus off what it is actually and we we dive into just the cultural phenomenons and we we're really doing a disservice to the church you know this is a mm -hmm. this is a moment in time the church is set apart to pray for the dead and, exactly and a reminder it should be a good time of memento mori so that's why like I think there are some things that are very cultural so with us like we don't like to think about death you know um oh. we're so i th i think that's why our culture is very macabre on halloween because we we don't live with it we don't contextualize it seeing skeletons and and skulls and thinking about blood or the lack of blood or something you know I, it's something you don't think about that because grandma just goes to a nursing home but with with like you know mexican culture or something like that um there are plenty of other peoples who it's this is like more of a time where it's, it's more real in that sort of way right that is so interesting that you bring that up because it's it's almost as if the culture creates its own sort of liturgical feasts mm. to compensate for the things that traditionally the church would help you meditate on. This this phenomena of of Halloween has become a sort of memento mori for the common people. And I agree with you. Not everybody thinks about death. One of the things that that bothers me when I talk uh, about death with my mom, and I, I'm I'm very strategic with this, so um, I try and talk to her about death. And sometimes I joke about like, oh, you never know. Maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll die. You mm. know that kind of those kind of little like conversations, just to bring to mind this this reality. Everybody is going to die. Yeah. Every single every single person's going to die and at our death we're going to have a judgment. We're going to be in front of the judgment seat of our blessed Lord and he's going to look at the the whole of entirety of our life. And you know, that's that's going to have its consequences depending on how we lived our life. But every time I bring up death, it's always like no, don't bring that up. Yep. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to. No, 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 no. And I think that's how people are nowadays. They just don't think about the last things. They don't think about God. They don't elevate their mind to God. Um, but yeah, Halloween, I think, has become Halloween and other surrounding holidays have become a sort of like supplanted liturgical calendar mm -hmm. for the church. Like Christmas is coming up um christmas now has become like a hallmark yeah. movie marathon and you know just getting together and 
getting super smashed with your family and like drinking too much, I mean, look at, <laughs> you know, look and, at. and, and they take, they take Christ out of Christmas and yeah. here in, in Halloween, they're taking out the opportunity to pray for the dead. Mm-hmm. One of the, um, one of the roots of Halloween, as I, I mentioned earlier, and I don't have a, a really deep knowledge of Halloween, just like a topical uh, surface understanding of what Halloween was apparently, you know, the Celts, they would they would uh, celebrate this holiday, pagan holiday, around this time of the year, where they thought that the the veil of between life and death was was very thin, and you know that at a certain time in 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 this holiday that souls would come out, and um, sometimes they wouldn't know where to go, like mm-hmm. to the good place or something. <laughs> like I don't know how that works. Um, <laughs> like. Because that doesn't really include judgment or well, heaven or hell well, that's or anything interesting like that. Thing. That's an interesting <laughs> thing too. And it's funny because this is this is exactly the project I'm working on right now about death right. and dying and the last four things and uh-huh. how we don't we don't think about death. Um, my I just had an aunt that passed away, so I've had two aunts that passed away this year, mm-hmm. and my my dad's fine off the funeral. But the when our first when my first aunt was kind of going downhill, I asked my dad. I was like, you know, where would you like to be buried? Um, can, wow. you know, I, I'll help. I want to put together the Wecrium mass, you know, because I, I think having the Latin mass on off will be good for you. And just talking about it. And my dad, mm-hmm. um, he caught COVID, um, months, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And for those who haven't caught COVID, even, even a moderate case can still kind of suck. Fatigue is a huge thing with COVID. And my dad was very much like in bed. And my mom said to him, you have to get out. You have to get moving. You have to get your muscles back. So I watched him one day. You know, he's like, okay, I'm going to take a walk down the driveway and just kind of around the block. And mm. my dad's in his later 50s right now. Okay. So, but he shuffled, old man shuffled out the door, up our long driveway and turned. And I'm watching him and I realized I just caught a glimpse of my dad 20, 25 years from now. And I That's I, amazing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? That story that you just told, and I know that you're still telling it, it just reminds me. Um, in the autobiography of St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, she literally has that experience mm. where she, she sees her father essentially like walking off into like his old age. That's yeah. crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and you so can, then what happened, you know, and you can relate and you, it's just what you're looking into a window into the future. And I realized that despite really trying to become more present about meditating on death and everything, I'm not ready for that reality. Yeah. Because you don't gauge and you can say this with your own with your own late father, you know, it's like mm-hmm. we don't know the time or the hour and we also don't know how fast things go sometimes. Yeah. No, it's so true Jordan, you know, um I never expected it to be that way with my dad. Um um I think I think that's just the common experience. Nobody ever expects it to happen the way that it does. Yeah. And I, I guess in a way, because I was estranged with my dad, um, I, I tried to like come to terms with that when I was younger, and, you know, and, you know, when we had our, our rough times, I would think about that. Like one day he's just going to die. And I wonder what that's going to be like, because he was a very private man. He wanted to be on his own. He was very, very closed off, very insulated. And that always kind of bothered me. But I, I had a, an idea that like 
you know, it wouldn't be so tough because of that distance, that emotional distance that we'd always had. And when it happened, man, it was like, it was like a sledgehammer, Mm. you know, it really is. I I loved, I loved my father. I still love him, you know, and I I wish that he was around, but it never happens the way that you expect, you know, and that's the reality about our life. We don't know. It it comes to us like a thief in the night, you know, Mm. and, and we have to be prepared. And, and that's why Holy mother, the church has these, these, particular liturgical feasts, these points in the liturgical calendar for you to meditate on, on things that are above and beyond you. Like it's very easy. And, and I think about this too, as a father, like, even though I've only been a father for three months, Mm -hmm. there are certain times where I've realized, like I've woke, I've like awoken from you know, a bedtime, I wake up in the morning and I look over at Maria and she's legitimately bigger and older. And it's like, whoa, yeah. did I just, you know, it's it, like, you can't help but feel like you're taking it for granted. And, and <clears throat> that's just an example as a father, but outside people who, who don't really have that, that relationship with, with God or who don't develop that every single day it's very easy to get caught up into the, you know, the day-to-day, the, the really menial stuff. And uh, you never think about death. No. You never think about the resurrection or the sacrifice that Christ made or why, why God even entered into the world in the first place. Like all of these amazing feasts that the, the Holy Mother of the Church provides for us, mm-hmm. they elevate our minds to something that is like, that is eternal. It takes what what is finite in us and elevates it to think about the things that are infinite, you know, and that is just so special. And that's why if we're to come back to Halloween, that's why I think I'm sort of looking at it from a different perspective, from a perspective of prudence, like, well, how is this event, you know, going out and getting candy and stuff like that? Will that help Maria understand what all souls day is? Or the you know the the vigil before that mm-hmm. um, will she will she understand that you know like are we gonna do a good enough job to like explain the mm-hmm. the difference and I think and I go ahead oh no I was just gonna say and I'm not a father yet right but I'm looking at how you and how I have other people who are who are parents how they talk about these sorts of things as traditional Catholics and it's funny because I think that there is this intersection of the religious and the cultural that both can be can oh, be yeah. good you know. I think about the mm-hmm. Valentine's Day is a perfect example. The reason why St. Valentine has a day is because the Roman Empire forbade marriage. And he was <laughs> like, uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm still going to marry all these cute Christian kids. And that's what got him killed is he yeah. performed marriages. So we've commercialized Valentine's Day, right? We've taken out the all the all the the understanding that this is not just about love, but sacrificial love that is in marriage. And, and the sort of love that God has for us, uh, as we see in the life of St. Valentine. But so you can have that side as, as a Catholic, but culturally, like you probably should get your wife flowers or take her out to dinner, you know, and I, I don't <laughs> it can't I, hurt, right? It can't hurt. And I think that we do a disservice. Like we all, even if you buy like, okay, this is just a, as guys, especially we're like, this is a cultural phenomenon designed to get me to spend money in the market today. Just Descartes to convince- made me do it. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> but if you don't, then there's far worse than going on in the home church. So <laughs> um, I think about that with like, think about like trick or treating or something, right? It might be a case mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, we don't want to, the Catholic faith is such a both and religion sometimes. And this mm -hmm. is where prudence, of course, comes in and, and how trick-or-treating is conducted. The virtue of, of a cultural uh, tradition is not in and of itself a bad thing, right? In fact, it can be good because there's a sort of communal effort built around something that's not necessarily evil or macabre or something, like trick-or-treating. Mm -hmm. For us, it was nice because as children, we got to be essentially introduced to our neighbors. And our neighbors go, oh, in the small town Elizabeth, oh, hey, oh, you Pacheco's, how's it going? Oh, you can take all these cookies or whatever. It was like, beautiful because there weren't <laughs> a lot of kids. Um, and I think that if we'd grown up where it was like, it's, it's more of an enforcement about praying for the souls of the dead, like making sure that we definitely visited a cemetery, which mm -hmm. you should of course do, uh, in that octave, because that will help you get a plenary indulgence. And of course you can help, uh, you can, your intercessory prayers can help the souls in purgatory, which is, which is far bring a soul out of jail. Yeah. Right. You know, just, <laughs> I could, I could you just pull a Johann Tetzel, right. When a, when a coin in the coffer sings a soul from purgatory springs, <laughs> don't do that that's not how indulgences work i'm totally just kidding um, but there's other elements too and i wanted to really kind of break this apart because of course you know there is like the demonic elements that we should stay away from but mm -hmm. halloween is a lot about scary and horror and these sorts of things and i loved your strain that's such an interesting strain about how as the church drops these things there's been a whole liturgical practice that the world has picked up in its own secular sort of mind um Maybe this is a weird way again that because there's no contextualization of memento mori or comes after death, maybe this is the way that the world puts death out there. It's, it's, it's uncontrollable. So, you know, is there something to be said about um, how a lot of these like slasher films, right? A lot of horror films now, I'm going to stay away from again, like the demonic influence ones, those ones like I don't watch, we don't watch, not cool. The only one I think is acceptable is like the right because it's like just kind of telling the story of exorcism. But, uh, you know, use your own judgment. But it's funny how this idea of judgment happens in a lot of these slasher films. The person did something in the past that now they're paying for, you know, and uh, think like, about like, I Saw. know what you did last summer. I know what you did last <laughs> summer. The premise of Saw, right? Like everyone who's inside Saw is like there for a reason. These sorts of things like there's. Yeah. So I wonder if 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 because these things have been de-emphasized in the church, so to speak, um, this is like the way that the culture is trying to to pick them back up. Because what were horror films like prior to the '60s? Jen and I are going through like all the creature features from Paramount and like from the '30s up, and those ones are like they're they're the they're the funniest kind of moral dramas. They talk a lot about God and like Frankenstein. Frankenstein's all about just like have we usurped God? What happens if man plays the role of God? Like, they'll say the names flatly. They'll throw crucifixes. They don't care. You know, they're, they're doing moral dramas, like good, there is good and there's evil. And mm -hmm. you'll notice that posts now we've gotten to, it's like, well, the slasher might be a bad thing, but it's just a manifestation of these people who are worse. And maybe, <laughs> maybe we all deserve to be dead and all this other kind of, kind of weird plane of the lines, you know? Yeah, you're right. The, you know, the, the older movies, old Hollywood movies like Dracula, Frankenstein, you mentioned, they all had an undercurrent of something spiritual that you know the church presented and i think maybe that's just because the culture back then was it was christendom mm. you know and so people could relate to that and understood that and 
that may explain why there's a de-evolution now of these films. <laughs> you know, the films that we see today that are just kind of like, what am I watching? You know, do you suppose? Thing that, huh? Or I, I just want to probably quick. Do you suppose that there's something about like the older films? I think a lot of times, like there is good, there's evil, like good triumphs over evil, or and now it's like, oh, your silly crucifix doesn't work on me. You shot my shotgun, but I'll come back like something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. I, I don't know. I just think that Hollywood and, and just media, generally speaking, like popular media is very, very godless. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's a reflection of a godless people. Um, and we we feel it and we experience that uh, living in in this, you know, the culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the old movies for sure had those themes. Um, the other thing that comes to mind, Jordan, too, is like when I when I think about Halloween, inevitably you just run into the occult, you know. And I I have a lot of stories of the occult actually mm, mm. because my family was superstitious, and I I had encounters with shamans and um all kinds of other stuff i mean even as a child did you ever do la santa muerte no uh you know what the the cultist around that is is a newer phenomenon Mm. it's newer than than uh well maybe not i don't know but i think its popularity is is more of a new thing but when i was a kid i i grew up around that because i think it's a cultural aspect that comes with being Mexican. Yeah. And, um, and those are the kinds of things that I even participated in. And I'm ashamed to, to even say that now. Um, but those are things that, that I just kind of naturally ran into by nature of being around, you know, like Halloween events, you know, like, Oh, let's play. Like I remember one time in middle school, I went over to a friend's house for a Halloween party and I went really, I mean, I think this is like the common thread in most of my stories when I was younger, I went cause I wanted to like impress this girl that I was <laughs> interested as, as, in. As you do with anything in middle school. And, uh, and, and there was a lot of people there and, and what, what ended up happening was that there was occult stuff like Ouija boards mm. and like, yeah. uh, I don't know if you have you heard of Bloody Mary, like yeah, oh yeah, I've heard of Bloody Mary with the bathroom one, right? Where you, yeah, and so like kids run into this, mm -hmm. yeah, you run into it, and as a kid, you think it's really innocent, you know, like oh, this obviously fake. There's there's no way Mary's gonna come through the window, (laughs) the mirror, I mean, and like slit my throat or whatever the story is. I don't even remember. Yeah, (laughs) but you participate in these things, and you you open yourself up to a a world of spiritual harm and i think actually that 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 happened to me Mm. really i mean i won't go into detail about it because it's in the past and it's not good to reminisce on that stuff but Mm. i i do remember that that there was some consequences to the things that i participated in and that Mm. was that i was around you know one of those things happens to be like it's a very common thing um people experience hauntings in their house i have an uncle 
and he doesn't watch the show. So I'm going to go into detail about this one because I think it's an important lesson for all of you who are uh, a cult, a cult interested in the occult. Okay. Uh, I, I met up with my uncle one day and this is recently, this must've been like two or three months ago before mm-hmm. Maria was born. And um, he's telling me these stories, you know, well, we're reminiscing about my father and him passing on and all this stuff. And I remember in conversations, he was telling me that, you know, sometimes he hears things in the house and he thinks it's his mom, my grandmother. And I remember one time I told him, I said, look, you're not going to like what I have to tell you. There's a very good chance that what you're experiencing is not your mother, my grandmother. This is a, this is something that is obviously important to you. I know that you miss your mom and our, my grandmother, um, just from the conversation, he was telling me how much he missed, um, his mom. And I was telling him, I was like, listen, the things that you're experiencing very likely could be demonic influence. And how, how could that be? Well, the the spiritual beings that we call angels and that have some of them have fallen a third of them have fallen are so intelligent they're not mind readers but any little expression that you give and i think i I listened to this in a father ripperger talk any expression any movement any facial movement or any sort of like anything external that you think is internal purely internal most likely is not purely internal and they can pick up on these sorts of cues and then tailor their influence to these things that you're experiencing. And I told him that I said, look, you're missing your mom. They probably well know that because you're talking about it out loud. And so what can they do? Well, God, you know, as in a permissive sense allows them to make a bump in the night. And then what? He internalizes that bump in the night to say, it's my mom. I've been talking to her. She's here. Oh, she's here. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that take away? It takes away the reality that there is a finite place at the end of your life. You can end up in three different places. Mm -hmm. And the things that you're hearing bump in the night, most likely aren't those spirits of the dead that we've, you know, that have passed on. They're somewhere else. And so I explained that to him and he's like, I, I don't, I don't agree. I don't think that, you know, and he has this idea that a demon is like, you know, like a movie demon, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to hurt you. I'm going to spook you. It's like, no, man, sometimes that happens, but it's a lot more subtle than that. And that's yeah. the insidious thing. Right. So then to wrap up, uh, during this time, he was telling me, you know, I'm hearing this stuff. It's actually starting to freak me out. Do you think a priest could come and and do, uh, he said, a cleaning, which is a very mm. pagan thing to say. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean a cleaning? He's like, oh, I mean like a house blessing. I said, okay, I can talk. I can talk to them. I'm not sure. I can tell you that they're going to ask me if you go to mass. And if you say no, there's probably a good chance that that's not going to help you. you well, know? yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, figure it out anyway. But I, I, I had this this inclination to say, look, have you done anything in your home that may have opened you up to this opportunity? Do you have any pagan stuff in there? 
Mm-hmm. Have you, you tried have you done to communicate any... with your mother in a way? Have you done that... anything weird? Mm-hmm. Or my cousin who lived with you, has she done anything occult there? I don't know. Right. Children can do that and they open up the portal to that sort of stuff. Right. He says no. And guess what? The next time I see this guy, my uncle, who I love dearly, he's mm-hmm. the, pretty much the only family I have left. You know what he shows up in? Hmm. He's wearing one of those evil eye bracelets. I'm like, dude, give me a break, bro. Uh-huh. Like, this is this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you expose yourself to these sorts of things. That brings up such a up. such a perfect cautionary tale. Um, yeah. You know, it's like for most people, you have a higher chance of being crazy than you do being possessed. You have a higher chance of the church is uber scrupulous when it comes to determining demonic activity. These things, however, are, are to be taken seriously. And when when we talk about opening ourselves up, it doesn't always just mean, oh, open. He, that's how he read Harry Potter. And now he's possessed. Right. It means you you've opened yourself up to allowing for sin. To dominate you, because the funny thing about demons is this demons do operate in God's permissive will. In fact, when an, when an, when a possession takes place, there are actually very strict parameters that Christ dictates to the demons. So a lot of times demons actually don't like possession because they can't have their full wills and intellect. I mean, this is a perfect example. If Satan was allowed to have his way, he could destroy us in an instant. This is how powerful angelic intellect is. It's it's only by God's permissive will that it's limited to sorts of things that happen in our plane of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christ might say, okay, uh, you possess your possessions coming out of this arm here. You're not allowed to kill this person. You're not allowed to do this. You're not. I mean, it's like, and then when the exorcist shows up, uh, the demons often get mad. This is what Father Ripperger says, or they're 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 not they're not happy to be there because they know they're going to get the crap kicked out of them, essentially. Because every exorcism they get banished to the foot of the cross. Yeah. And our Lord and our Lady are waiting. Um, but this is the thing. It's like we live in a culture where. St. Paul talks about how every pagan deity is a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, we see how easy it is to have a cultish thing, things that glorify superstition in there. Things that seem innocuous. I have a yin yang necklace. I have an evil eye. I have a rabbit's foot. I have the full set of Harry Potter sitting on my shelves. Like, what's the big idea? Um, and you know, it's not saying that like these things, like there are some things that are worse than other things, but it's not to say that these things are good. We have to be extremely careful, and this is where understanding that our life is as Christians first should dictate what we put into our bodies and what we put into our homes. Mm-hmm. Is this thing glorifying God? Is this something that actually is the opposite? Is this detracting? Um, and finally, I'll say is just you know necromancy is one of those sins in the Bible, like conjuring and communi- conjuring spirits, communicating with the dead in a way that's not efficacious prayer. These are extraordinarily dangerous things. Stay away from Ouija boards, stay away from palm readers, stay away from people who say they know the future and all these other kinds of things. You have to be so, so careful with demonic activity because the reality is that that there are demons who are shaking. Most of the time, Satan doesn't have to work very hard to get a soul. You know, if you've been exposed to something, you find yourself now sinning more or falling into some proclivity or in bad company, Satan doesn't, he doesn't have to possess you to work very hard. Um, but if in the case of your uncle, it's like, I'm hearing these noises in my house. It must be my mother. Well, poss- possibly, and, um, but probably not. 
And yeah. furthermore, if you are actively trying to communicate with that, if you're actively trying to, or you're wearing pagan or cultish items that welcome in demons, your result is going to be very, very, very bad. Um, Rudy, what's your, this is so interesting. You know, the people have asked this question, like what's the church's take on ghosts? Um, when, when Jesus walks on the water, right? The apostles mistake him for a ghost. That's what they say. And so we know that the apostles believed in ghosts based off of the fact that, um, this is what I've heard. Maybe you've heard this too, but it's like, you know, there are these three states, the two permanent, the one temporary, there's heaven and there's hell and there's purgatory. Um, but it seems like at times, God allows for the apparitions of souls, whether in hell, in heaven, or in purgatory. So there are stories. Um, I'm reading a beautiful book. In fact, let me get it. It's so crazy. One sec. So this is a book. It is probably the most base book I have in my house right now. <laughs> As you can see. Whoa. Yeah, it's literally hell. Um, That's Dogma of Hell dude. by Father FX uh, Shoop, Society of Jesus, back in the good 1800s. And also um, an edition a hundred years later called How to Avoid Hell by Thomas A. Nelson. So crazy book about the dogma of hell. It's a real place, but it also talks about uh, apparitions of souls from purgatory. There was a nun who died and she appeared before one of her sisters and said, you know, please pray for me. And she was, you know, she's being burnt by the fires of purgatory. And she actually left a burnt handprint upon this door frame oh. in this place in Italy that's still there. Yeah, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just kind of amazing how we as Christians, what I realize is this, I think that there's a sort of strain of fear about death and dying. And that's why, and not just because we're creatures who realize our own mortality around times like Halloween or something, we get mm -hmm. spooked by things that disrupt our mortality, right? But in reality, we are called to still be radically intertwined with the dead. And we shouldn't fear the other side if we're living our life in accordance and we shouldn't fear for our own mortality or or you know you shouldn't have i mean you should have a healthy fear of of evil right but you should have greater fear of the lord right um, yes you should you should mind be very careful about opening yourself up to satan but you shouldn't live in this fear that you're going to like come home and a book's gonna fly at you and it's gonna be some demonic voice on high right <laughs> chances are it's probably not gonna happen yeah well, to answer your question about ghosts, um, the church's teaching on ghosts is uh, a little bit complicated, more complicated than I think we have time for. But yeah. you're right in the sense that um, God in his permissive will sometimes, very rarely, allows souls uh, either in heaven, hell, or purgatory to appear. And I, when you were talking about that, um, I thought about this little pamphlet i don't know where i got it from oh heck yeah but it's called it's called purgatory mm -hmm. and it's by uh father oh, father so james, james buckley. buckley yeah fssp i don't know where he is now but um this is probably available on their website on the mm -hmm. fraternity bookstore but there's a story in here that discusses that that reality there was a um a, a friar or a brother either or i guess it doesn't really matter but he would always uh be distracted during his holy hour and uh when he passed away he got sent to purgatory because of that and god allowed him to return to the monastery and to tell them like 
guys, you got to be fervent. You got to make sure that you're making your holy hour because you're going to end up like me. And Hey, by the way, can you pray for me? Yeah. That's the theme, right? That's always the connecting thread. These spirits don't come here just to like say, Hey, what's up? Yeah. That's not bro. Like, like it's nice to get consolation. Right. But, but ultimately is that consolation in God's goodness or in, in the fact that this person is, you know, you know, this person's here and they're saying, Hey, and oftentimes it's not, it's not just this cheap consolation that we're experiencing. It's something more. It's, it's a warning. It's a, a warning for us to, to live out our life more devoutly, more intentionally. Yeah. And I want to, I want to pick up a a quick thing on purgatory that I learned recently too. Going to purgatory is not just that you have, there is, there's an interesting uh, thing where it's obviously the temporal punishments of sins are purged in purgatory, which is why it's called purgatory. It's just a purging. It's, It's to describe purgatory as a state is, is just kind of easier for us to understand, but really it's a process, but Purgatory's ultimate goal is to make you become like Christ. So it's possible. This is why virtue is interesting. This is why doing things like this, is why not everything you can divide is like, oh, this is virtuous and this is sinful. You know, there's a lot of just very neutral things that you can then turn into a prayer and turn into a virtue or a sacrifice or something. So if mm-hmm. you die, it's possible to have, say, the apostolic blessing, right? To to have not just your your venial sins forgiven and your mortal sins from confession before but also temporal punishment remains but if you're not yet like christ this is what purgatory is for right is it is it a sin per se to to be a little distracted in your holy hour i'll let the church go out of that one but the point is 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 this christ-like if we're called to pray as fervently as christ prayed fully united with the father and we're not we might need some time to for that to 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 move us you know to motivate us like this um, and I think that, again, the things that happen in the, in the afterlife in heaven, hell and purgatory, for me, I'm very happy that I haven't had a direct experience with any of these places. Um, I, I've always said that I'd be terrified if I came home and our lady was just kind of like sitting on the couch, like take on a mission for you. I'd be like, Oh, because if, if, if our lady's watching me that fervently, then, you know, oh my, um, yeah. Some something's gonna change in your life for yeah, sure. That's exactly right. <laughs> Instant martyrdom. Um, <laughs> she's like, we, Listen, I came to bring you this red crown, it's a beautiful gift from God to you. And you're like, like, Thank you, mother. I kind of just got home from work, like, right? Can I, did God give oh. me a beer or something else? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got, you, you've got to hand it. The, our lady, I, I imagine our lady has to have a sense of humor because she's appeared to so many people and people have been like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, just like, what? <laughs> I'd have the same reaction. Right. Um, so, so Jordan, tell me about your, your costume here. What yeah. era are you? Look, this is, this is, um, your stolen valor costume. I know this is, well, I don't have a name thing on. See, <laughs> This is quintessential 20th Pacheco. century American woodland camo, particularly from like the 1980s. This is a helmet. It's Kevlar. I got this, um, I got this at an antique shop and I don't know, I don't know its history, but I like to think that it, it's an M5 helmet. I like to think that it was in you know, some war, but it probably was It was probably <laughs> national guard surplus. Surplus, <laughs> <laughs> but like I think what I mean camo? I've always I've always dressed up as like knights and soldiers soldiers because I wore airsoft gear did airsoft through high school that was easy, um, 
And I'll probably dress up. I mean, I'll, I like dressing up as musketeers as people might have seen. <laughs> I went to the Renaissance Fair with my wife. So I think I think the dressing up is a fun kind of thing. There is a tradition in the church, particularly about costuming, where you yeah. dress up uh, as your as your favorite saint. You invoke a mm-hmm. kind of saint. So you have your children um, will uh, will dress up like like you know Mother Teresa or um, mm-hmm. Joan of Arc or Saint Patrick or some other sort of saint. See, that's wholesome. People do that. Yeah, yeah. do that. That's- Dress up as uh, as uh, your favorite saint. Mm-hmm. If you have children, encourage them to do that. that's cool. And I think on I All think, Saints Day, yeah. yeah, I think that's actually a really good strain of kind of reclaiming, reclaiming the 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 uh, reclaiming that culture, reclaiming Halloween. Uh, Reconquista. Yeah, sure it is. Reconquista. I don't know how to say Halloween in Spanish. Uh, Halloween. Eve of, Eve of All Souls. Something dead they say, they just say Halloween. Halloween. I don't know, right? It's like how do you, I'd ask my grandfather once, how do you say pancakes in Spanish? Pancakes. Pancakes <laughs> is what he said. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that is a good thing. Like invoking invoking the saints is important, and we don't do it nearly enough. And for children, um, especially like what an amazing kind of gift it could be. But well, if you were to dress up uh Maria for Halloween. What would you dress her as, especially in this baby stage? I want to go with lumberjack, but gosh, uh, I, I wish I could show you what we've done because we already know what we're gonna do. Oh yeah, but we we agreed not to post any sort of uh, images at all of her online, mm-hmm. just because it's just I don't know. I, I like it's it. One of one of those things. Yeah. I've explained it in a different video, so you'll have to go back and look at it. But um, it's also kind of annoying because. Somebody asked us to do a, a video on uh, Catholic decor. So I was filming some stuff and there's a shot that I put into this edit mm-hmm. and uh, it has Marie in it. And, and I, I was like, like, you know what? I can't, I have to cut that. it out. Sense that. I have to like, <laughs> I have to like take it out, put something else in there. Uh-huh. So I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want right. to compromise because you compromise once and then you, you do it. That's, but anyway, yeah, that's true. it's a long winded way of saying that we, we are going to dress her up as our lady of grace. Nice. She's got this like little white sweater mm. and we don't want to put anything uncomfortable on her. Cause you know, she's like, she's a newborn. She gets fussy, right. but we have a, a white sweater and like a white onesie. And this like blue, uh, I think I've sent you the picture. It's like a blue blanket with stars on it. So that's oh, what that's, we're going to do. Oh, is she shooting <laughs> stuff out of her hands? Graces. <laughs> we should <laughs> do that. That would be, that would be amazing. The grace is coming out of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, gonna so dress, we're going to do that. I, I'm going to dress, uh, if I have sons, ahead. I just want to, I want to dress them as like all the Borgia Popes. I want to progress. Oh, They're like no. worse than Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, chances that are some amazing. of them are probably not in heaven, but who knows? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, we'll be pleasantly surprised at the people we see and don't see. You know? Well, I, I said this to the boys the other day, but Napoleon uh, was received back into the I, church and made his last rites before he died. died with, yeah. So in, a, apparently in the grace of the church. So that's that's very interesting. But of the worst of the despots, I take Napoleon. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, everybody has a future, right? That's right. Every, every, every sinner has its past and every saint has, is it every saint has every sinner? You remember, you remember what father said, every sinner has a past, every saint has a future. That's exactly it. That's what I'm trying to say. Before, as we wind down, Rudy, the last question I suppose is what is your favorite candy? Ooh, 
favorite candy. Let's see. I'm kind of a weirdo. I I like you know those Tootsie Rolls that are actually flavored. Oh oh yeah, flavored wax. Yeah, <laughs> they taste amazing, man. I don't know what I I just I would love to like dig through my bag of candy and get these like I think they have a a lemon one, a vanilla one. Yep, a it's a toss up between that. Or like nerds, I think. Okay, nerds are the best. it's nerds or nothing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm, a, you know, you know my favorite candy, of course. Pop tamales, I'm sweating. Oh yeah, you got it. Woo! Pop tamales, I'm fleek. Eat that stuff for days. <laughs> Shoot, I'd go eat them right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, huh? Come to think of it, <laughs> are we gonna be those weird people that like hand out candy as well as like? Oh, it's not really candy. It's a prayer card. Hiding. You've seen those like those clever things. People do it with money, right? Where they're like, that's pretty based there, this isn't say. a dollar this is a halloween's a city you're gonna go to hell down. <laughs> <laughs> whoa a million dollar bill wait there's fine print on that right oh, interesting jesus what loves you but not as a papist no gosh no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what funny thing i i, I enjoy seeing those people out there because I, I i think that it's not the perfect way to evangelize but it is a way it's a way and it's very brave so I admire them and I always smile at them and I'm so stoked to see them. But when they hand the thing to me, I'm always just kind of like, look, that's as far as I'm going to go. You should I'm going to give like, you a smile, uh -huh. but you you're, should. you're a filthy, disgusting Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's <laughs> the worst. Ugh. Charity covers a multitude of sins. I don't think that. Right. I, no. I think that their ideas are are bad but yeah or, i would never say that <laughs> i do you know it again i'd rather have it's like with mass right i'd rather have more masses and less masses <laughs> i'd rather have more jesus in the world than less like is it better to have like a hobbled protestant version of jesus or no jesus well it's probably better to know jesus you know yeah. i can work with that a little bit more maybe exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah you you have more of a meeting ground there mm -hmm. that's right well very ecumenical of you um yeah i i oh. love vatican too oh. i i think oh, ecumenism is great oh. synodality oh synodality uh, oh really great. i so so <laughs> i went to a synod mass the other day i i was just blown away i'd be so I, I, if i saw you at a synod mass i wouldn't think it was you i'd be like there's no way he must that must have been is, his penance he must have gone to confession here and they were like stay for this mass this is the authentic expression of the Latin rite. This is the unique expression you. of the Roman rite. The only. The only. The choice cuts, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we should stop. For our audience, if you guys want to post, maybe you guys have some Halloween customs or particular people that you want us to pray for, that's actually really important. So in the comment below or message us privately, if you have any prayer intentions, any family members you want us to pray for, or publicly, if you have any kind of Halloween customs or traditions you guys do as a family, or maybe what you've dressed up as and you want to confess now, go ahead and leave that in the comments or message us, uh, email us or put us on Instagram. Um, thank you guys so much for watching. The most important thing you can do is to continue to pray for Rudy and myself and our families. If you would like to uh, support us a little further, first thing you can do is share this video, especially because it's a spooky video. Oh. Except that word's been banned in a bunch of places, I guess, because whatever. I can say it, but you can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, or if you want to purchase an indulgence from us. I was going to say. You can always follow us on Patreon if you'd like to become a patron. Right there. 
do it. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. It would help support the show. And there's all kinds of perks to it. Jordan, what are the perks? So you can do stuff, right? You could get a high five. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you, you can see uh, episodes like this one early. Congratulations, patrons. You made it. You could also uh, have a patrons exclusive episode once a month. And you can even comment and uh, you can exclusively pick a topic or suggest a topic and you're put at the front of the list and for the rest of you peasants no, i'm just kidding um but, if, <laughs> but for people uh who aren't you can still uh, suggest episodes and that kind of thing and rudy and i will take them into consideration but there's a hierarchy because we're monarchists aren't we it's true that's very true, true. <laughs> there's a rightly ordered hierarchy here okay so you remember that yeah you non-patrons that's right you know is it hurt does it hurt you that much to not be a patron I mean, at this point let you me, know. Rudy, let's you, ask. You listen to our content for mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. You know, Rudy, and let's ask an honest question. Do, if people don't subscribe to Patreon, will they go to heaven? Uh, dude, let me just look at this book right here. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, let me look at this book right here, too. It's page <laughs> 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 45. No. No. Well, the Lord, what the Lord has said, who am I to undo? <laughs> We're joking, obviously. Right. No, thank you guys so much. We're, we're actually really exciting because if you remember, you know, we haven't started this channel for very long, but we're almost to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. We have a lot of subscribers that happen over the podcast on the audio side. So we're just so grateful. And lately, actually, we've been getting so much really positive feedback of people kind of sharing parts of their stories and intentions and these sorts of things. So uh, we're, we're still just a couple of jabronis. We're very accessible. So if you want to share something or talk about something, we're easy people are Rudy. Like we don't bite. Yeah, and we appreciate that actually. No. And before we go and, and wrap, I just wanna I wanna also, in addition to all the things that have been said in this outro, I wanna give you a challenge. Go out, do not make an excuse. Go out during um, you know, the month of November. Go out to a cemetery. Mm-hmm. I promise you there is a cemetery near you. Yeah. Okay. I promise you, it's somewhere. Go out there and pray for the holy souls of purgatory. They need your help. And uh, the best way to do it is if you uh, send us the numbers on the credit card, the expiration on the back, mm-hmm. and, That's right. That's completely right. <laughs> and the three um, numbers on the back. <laughs> listen, I think Tetzel had it right. When a, when a coin in the coffer sings a soul from purgatory springs. And everyone was like, <laughs> that's not right, but that's really catchy. So... <laughs> But jokes aside, yeah, remember the Holy Souls in Purgatory. Go to yeah. a cemetery, pray for them. They really need your help. And I, I, I know for a fact there are many people who are forgotten mm. who are in Purgatory still to this day because they don't have anyone to pray for them. Yeah. So take advantage of that amazing opportunity that the church gives you. You're able, under the proper circumstances, to get an indulgence and offer that for those suffering souls in Purgatory. Mm-hmm. In fact, Rudy, let's close out. Let's I'll, I'll take the first part of this Ave, but let's say an Ave for, for the poor souls in purgatory, and we ask our audience to join us. Okay. Oh, he took his helmet off. Spiritus Sancti, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesu. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostre. Amen. Amen. God bless you and may I keep you. We'll see you on the next one. Adios.